there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of thesaintsnation.com, Kevin Held of The Drops the Ball, Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Bing! Take that to the bank. L-B. Those are the only letters that matter because the Saints are hemorrhaging linebackers. Kevin's going to get his horse turned. Now here's your host, Ralph Malbro. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast, sponsored by the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They have 136 draft beers on tap. They have big screens. They have a 12-foot TV. Go watch LSU. Hopefully, they'll beat Johnny Manziel. Uh, They won't. They have a fantastic menu, braised duck nachos. Andrew will tell you they are magnificent. Go to the Pelican House. Uh... 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They support us, so you should support them. The Pelican House, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, Kevin, uh, you were a drunken mess yesterday. Yeah, aren't aren't you forgetting something, Ralph? Aren't you forgetting to to promote uh, something? I mean, I know it's important that we have a sponsor, and the Pelican (laughs) House is great, and you know, duck braised glaze nachos and bit that that all sounds fine and dandy. But the thing that you have to promote is just as important as the Pelican House. And that would be that Kevin And that would be that I called it on the last show when it was time to say who's gonna be our pal, who's gonna be our sweetheart at the end of the game. I went out on a limb and I said Garrett freaking Hartley. Why? Because Mark Ingram Mark Ingram got to have his his reclamation project. I said this time it's gonna be Garrett Hartley. Watch him kick the game winner. Watch him kick one late. And sure enough, like I drew it up, <laughs> like I drew it up myself, low scoring game, damn nail biter the whole way, and Garrett Hartley does it, and Jim Harbaugh gets to be nice and pissed on the flight back to Frisco, and Jim Harbaugh and his fucking tears, they taste fucking great. They taste fucking great. I love I love Jim Harbaugh's angry tears. They are delightful. I tell you what, Pelican House, you want to put something on those duck nachos? Get some Jim Harbaugh tears, okay? That will make them taste even better. Or maybe the Jim, Jim Harbaugh tears on tap. That would be. I want tears on tap. That'd be great if we could get some tears on tap. I'd be fine with that. I would be perfectly fine with that, okay? (laughs) And by my calculations, by my logic, Ingram two weeks ago, Hartley this past past Sunday, I'm 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 going out right now. I'm going to make my prediction for Atlanta because I'm sure. Do it, Doug. I'm going to say Lance Moore. 
the guy who who would have been the goat had the Saints lost. I'm going to say he comes up big. I'm going to say five or six catches, 80, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Wow. And a nice little sachet. There it is. There it is. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Okay. Is that, is that, is, is, is that, uh, is that all the Kevin Held we get this week because you have to bail on us? Uh, actually, no. I want to include one more thing while I'm out here pacing around in the goddamn cold air. Uh, because if there's one thing that keeps me warm when it's cold out, it's my rage. Yes. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis can take <laughs> his American Express card and jam it up his ass. Okay? Or I'm sorry, he can jam it he can jam it in one place repeatedly and then throw it in a trash dumpster with his coat and some other things and then speed away like a crime scene that he's fleeing. I don't know. Because let me tell you, you want to jump out and say you want to pay half the half the the fine that Ahmad Brooks is going to get for uh, delivering a clothesline from hell on Drew Brees. That's fine. That's fine. But to get all haughty and act like uh, the, this, you know, watered down. Yeah, the league has been watered down for years. The league was watered down when you were still playing, guy. This isn't brand new. This isn't brand new, okay? This is not the first time that a hit like that has been called against the defense, and it will not be the last time that something like that is called, okay? When when the when Drew Brees' head mm-hmm. snaps around or when his neck gets stretched, like if you've seen the GIF, you know what I'm talking about. It's Jeff. When his – when his neck gets stretched like he stretch Armstrong for Christ's sake, and his head spins around, and the defender actually spins him around too, in the process, the the referees are going to call that. They're going to call that. Whether you think a clothesline is legal or not, whether you think it's debatable or not, it's not legal. The force the force with which it happened and the end result is going to result in a flag every goddamn time. And I read, I read part of Ray Lewis's transcript. This clown is talking, this clown's taking shots at what Drew Brees said. Oh, well, when I got hit, when I got hit, I knew it was going to be a flag. And then Ray, and then then Ray Lewis says, you know, talking about getting hit on the blind side, uh, you freaking moron. Watch the GIF. Watch the video. The blind side (laughs) implies the back, you dumb shit. Okay? I don't care if you got acquitted for murder or not. I'll take my chances and call you a dumb shit. You got to work in deer. Drew Brees was getting hit on his chest. That ain't the blind side. Did he see Ahmad Brooks coming? No. Does that make it the blind side? No. I am not a guy who played in the NFL X number of years, rambling Bible verses in a huddle and stomping around like a jackass every time I came onto the field like you did. I'm not going to the Hall of Fame like you, and yet I know what in Christ's name the blind side is, and you don't. You figure that one out, Smarty. Well, you need to go okay. sit and pray on it. Go pray on it. Go hold well, your Bible and see if that well, and see if it's in there. 
Well, go read back of your AMX card. See see if you can figure out what the blind side is. Well, Ralph, you know you know I love to grade, and I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Kevin an A minus. He did not work in beer antler spray. No, it's not. So you get an A minus. He gets an A minus. I will say that I will say this about Kevin, and I give him full credit, is he has never been saying about these quarterback roughing penalties, oh, it makes football soft, or oh, I don't like it, or oh, it's a good thing. All Kevin has... Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Been consistent is say, saying is Drew Brees is an elite fucking quarterback, and he deserves respect, and he should get these type of penalties. And that's all Kevin Held's ever wanted. And Kevin, when it happened yesterday, the first person I thought of was you. I thought Thank somewhere you. Kevin Held is standing up applauding, saying, <laughs> damn right. No, wait, 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 wait. That may be the surest sign, one of the surest signs of Drew Brees' ascendancy. Because because we all know right, damn the, good well, the talking, heads, the talking heads aren't going to give him his props. We know the talking heads aren't going to give him his props. The man could throw for 6,000 yards cure AIDS and cancer and they're still going to find a way to talk about Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or somebody else not named Drew Brees. They're, they'll find a way to talk about, well, what's wrong with Colin Kaepernick? I don't know what's wrong with Colin Kaepernick. Well, I mean, man, I can't believe, I can't believe the Falcons imploded like this, blah, 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 man. Cam Newton has really stepped up. Do you think Carolina can make a run? Boy, I'll tell you who's the best team in the NFC. Is it either Seattle or is it Carolina? I don't know. Yeah. All right. All right. Shitheads. We get it. You don't want to talk about the saints, but when the referees decide that they're actually going to protect drew Brees, and, and I, I say protect and even that sounds bad, but when they're going to make the calls, when you knock drew Brees down like that, that says that says everything. That says all right. All. All right. No, can I can, can can somebody else talk now? Yes, Dave. I was going to ask you. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I just think I think Kevin's blowing this whole thing up. I don't think the refs have have ever had any disrespect for Breeze. Maybe they've had a little. Maybe they have 
more respect for Tom Brady over anybody else. Uh, but, you know, I think that we're taking this too far. I think that 10 times, I think that given the culture of the NFL recently, currently, and, and, and given all of the rules changes, you know, that hit is going to get called 10 times out of 10. It doesn't matter yes. what quarterback it is. It looked brutal. What, 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 you know, whether the result of it is somebody's head explodes or like Drew did, you just get up and brush off and move on. Um, it's going to get called 10 times out of 10. Now, specifically, I want to talk about some of the details. Kevin used the word clothesline, and I do not think that by the NFL rule, it's a clothesline. The NFL rule states a football, a clothesline tackle is a football move in which a player on defense strikes an offensive player on the neck or chest, which he did. But here's where I don't. Here's why I don't think it was a clothesline. By extending an arm away from his body and parallel to the playing field. Ahmad Brooks's arm was never extended. It was never parallel with the playing field. So I don't. I don't. People that are calling this a clothesline, I think that's a misconception. And and for all the other people who have a problem with this play, obviously a lot of San Francisco 49ers fans. If you have a problem with the call, you don't have a problem with the officiating or the referee. You have a problem with the rule. Yep. You have a problem with the rule. And and I think and I think Saints fans, the level-headed Saints fans can agree or or, or the old school Saints fan, old school NFL fans in general, I think they'll all agree it's kind of a crummy rule. I mean, what the hell was Ahmad Brooks supposed to do? I mean, he was he, he was doing exactly what he's been training to do for however many years he's been playing in the NFL. I guarantee you Ahmad Brooks is so pissed off about that call because he feels like there was nothing else he can do. Uh and, I mean, I get it. I get people that are upset about it. But the fact of the matter is, it's just, it, in today's NFL, it's going to be called every damn time. And to all the Saints fans, you know goddamn good and well, if the tables were turned and we didn't get that call, or if we were the 49ers and that call was against us, you know you'd be just as pissed off. I mean, you, yep. you know you'd, you'd only be looking at the one side of it. Um, yep. I honestly, you know, I didn't feel it at the time. And by the way, in the dome, the hit was, I mean, it was vicious. It was, it I, looked I, like assault. Dave. I, really, I thought breeze was dead. You, were you, were you at the game? I was. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought that the top half of Drew's body was going to get ripped off from the bottom. <laughs> I mean, I cannot believe I, I, I mean, his, his neck, he had whiplash. I mean, his neck was, has got to be sore. It was mortal Kombat finishing move. It was a rough hit. I, I mean, it was, I, it was, it was, it was really rough. I'm glad I didn't drive by his house while he was. Wait, playing. Hold, hold on, Dave. So I want you to explain to people. So you said it's not a clothesline and you explain why. So can, can you tell us, I don't know if you have this in front of you, you might not, but. Can you tell us the rule that this is applicable to? That why why this is a penalty based on the rule? Well, I mean the pe- the call, uh, I mean the call on the field was was a blow to the quarterback's neck, right? Yeah, you know, and I, I I don't know, I don't know if you're gonna, I don't know if you're gonna find a specific rule for this one. I think this sort of falls, and I know that sounds crazy, but I think this kind of falls in just the hazy gray general rule of sort of an unnecessary <laughs> and a defenseless uh, player 
Um, I don't, you know, I, I think I think the, the word defenseless would probably have to definitely be in there uh, as part of a rule, as part of the rule, well, whatever rule it, it may have. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the bottom line is this. The referee was right there. He got a clear look at it. He immediately throws the flag. He immediately says blow to the quarterback's neck, which in, in slow motion and on the replay, you can see with your own two eyes. So clearly he was in a position to make the call. He, he saw what we all saw in slow motion. He threw the flag, and he made a snap decision. So, um, you know, you, you can complain about the call. Again, I agree with Dave. I think that the main the main comment that he made, which was blame the referee, is, look, look there, there are five instances, I feel like, in every NFL game where you can be unhappy with the rule, but not necessarily the call that's made. Um, and that was absolutely a case. So, and I absolutely agree that as Saints fans, we'd all be pissed if, if the shoe was on the other foot, too. Um, but that that's kind of how the game is these days. And we're still buying tickets. We're still watching it on TV. And so we're still hoping for a win. And the Saints got one. So I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, and I thought it was their most impressive win of the year. Because to me, Kevin, when we talked last week, we were like, what has to happen for San Francisco to win? Well... They need to get a couple of turnovers. They got the turnovers. And the game went exactly to me how San Francisco needed it to go. And mm-hmm. the Saints still won. And for the first time in three matchups with Jim Harbaugh's 49ers, the Saints, I felt like, kicked the 49ers' ass well, on the yeah, line that, of that's where I That's where I disagree with you, Ralph. I, I, I actually don't think this game went now. The turnovers – the, the the 49ers, I kind of felt like it was a given that they were going to win the yeah. turnover battle because all they do is run the football and all they do is throw. So just based on the style of the offense, it's Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say it's very hard for a team to win a turnover battle. So, um, you know, as far as that's concerned, I, I kind of felt like that was a given that, that we were going to lose a turnover battle. What I didn't expect was for the Saints to stuff the run and stuff Frank Gore. I kind of also felt that it was a given that the Saints would probably lose at the line of scrimmage on both sides. That didn't happen. The Saints dominated on both sides of the line um, at the line of scrimmage. And that, that was a big shock to me. And if there's one takeaway from this game that I'm blown away by, and I, I feel like I have a lot of optimism for the rest of the season, it's that the offense, the defense, and the special teams dominated this game against a playoff-caliber team and came out ahead in all phases. Yeah, and I mean, to me, and I just feel like, you know, we talked about Cam Jordan, Cam Jordan, Cam Jordan, and he's been great, but Akeem Hicks is just, he is become he is becoming something uh he was otherworldly in this game. I mean, even from the from the goddamn terrace, he was sticking out of just destroying things. Um, so, I mean, but Kevin, I know your time is limited, uh, and you hate Jim Harbaugh almost as much as me. Uh, on a and you and you mentioned the sweet sweet tears of Jim Harbaugh. They're delicious. They were. Um, so, on Kevin, if you. Give me uh, where, Kevin, where you think this win ranks for the Saints this year. Uh, I'm going to put it 
I'm going to put it second. I'm going to put it second to the Cowboys game because the Cowboys game was a perfect confluence of things coming together. At first, it looked. I mean, at first, it looked like the defense was going to get gashed by by Dallas's running game, and then the Saints jumped out to a lead. The defense just completely clamped down. They didn't even get any turnovers, but they clamped down nonetheless. Mm-hmm. The offense was firing the entire way. Mark Ingram had, you know, rose up and and looked amazing. So. I, I, I go that number one, and I go the Frisco game number two. And for all the Frisco people saying that the refs handed this game to the Saints, I tell you what, why don't you talk to the clown that tackled Darren Sproles after he waved a fair catch? Why don't you talk to your idiot quarterback who decided to throw the ball for intentional grounding while in the end zone and thank Jesus that the referees were too stupid to make that call. Why don't you also ask Colin Kaepernick, Hey, why would you run out of bounds on a third down play when you're, when we need to get a first down several yards short of the marker? Yeah. And they could have, you know, and then maybe ask the defense to a man, Hey, why couldn't we stop the saints from marching down the field to get in the field goal range at the end of the game. Why couldn't we force over? Well, no, it's only one play, though, Kevin. One play dictates a win or a loss. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. One play (laughs) determines everything, Especially, especially if it's not the last play at the end of a game. One play, yeah, one play in the middle of a quarter totally determines everything. You're absolutely right. How stupid of me. How stupid <laughs> yeah, of me, Sam. I'm actually – so I agree with everything Kevin just said. I actually disagree with one part though, um, and that's that You know, he, he mentioned that the Dallas Cowboys game was more – You know, it was a bigger win, and there's certainly a lot of merit to that. Um, but there's one thing I think defensively for me, the 49ers game was a much higher degree of difficulty in terms of facing a run-heavy team. And they stuffed the run. So for yeah. me, that was more impressive than what they did against the Cowboys, where the offense was firing on all cylinders and scoring points at will. In this game, the offense wasn't doing that, and they needed every single stop that the defense was able to put together. Um, so from a defensive standpoint, um, yes, they gave up more points at 20 points. That's the second most point total they've given up this year. But that was the best performance in terms of it has a dominant offensive line, a dominant running back, and the Saints were able to completely shut down both. Yeah, and and I thought, Dave, one of the big reasons the Saints were able to shut down the run game is because San Francisco's wide receivers suck balls, and they can't get any separation. <laughs> Except for Bolden. Yeah, but he doesn't even get separation, Andrew. He just he, – he can make that back soldier – Shoulder throw. I mean, nobody yeah. was beating the Saints deep, and, and Colin Kaepernick didn't have any hard throws. But that said, Dave, Jabari Greer had a just an awful looking injury. And I didn't see it uh, close up, and I never watched the replay. Uh, I don't really know if I want don't, to. Don't. <laughs> don't. And you know, you are the official leader and the Dave Cariello uh, panic meter. Uh, where is that panic meter with this with the cornerback situation? Because you're down Jabari Greer. Uh, you're down Patrick Robinson. Don't forget about him. He's out for the year. 
He, we lost him a while ago. And now you got Corey White and Keenan Lewis and, you know, your third corner and your fourth. And Vaccaro may or may not be back against Atlanta. How worried are you, are you about the cornerback situation? Um, I'm not that worried yet. You know, if they lose one more, then I think it's it, it could be a problem. But, I mean, Patrick Robinson being out, they haven't had him all season. That's not a loss, really. Um, and they, he sucks. Every, yeah, but I mean, everything that they've done this season, they've done without him. So, uh, <clears throat> And, uh, you know, Jabari Greer, of course, you're starting cornerback opposite Keenan Lewis. I mean, that's a big hit. But, you know, he was good, but he wasn't great. And Corey White has certainly done uh, done pretty well these last few weeks, definitely stepped up, um, made a bunch of plays. So, I mean, as long as Corey White's there, it's it's okay. You know, obviously, hopefully now it's time for Rod Sweeting <laughs> to step up a little bit here. Uh, but uh, I don't think it's time, time to panic yet. The good news, I feel like, um, I mean, as far as Vaccaro is concerned, I know Andrew might, might will mention Vaccaro uh, and how he affects the cornerback situation. But, um, you know, I think the good thing about Rob Ryan's system is that uh, it's, a, it's so far had a little bit of a that plug and play effect where the mm-hmm. next man comes up and, and, uh, and fills in just fine. So, I mean, we can just hope that, uh, that little trend that we've sort of seen this season, uh, continues because it's going to be crucial, uh, you know, as you get later in the season, obviously a lot of the teams that are left standing at the end of the year in the playoffs are the ones that, uh, deal with injuries the best. Yeah. I mean, and look, that's just, uh, that's, Andrew, that's just part of it. It's just part of it. You're going to lose guys during yep. the year. You just hope you don't lose a ton of them. But let's be real. The Saints are at the point now where they can't lose any more corners because if they lose any more, they're going to struggle. And, Andrew, they may even struggle against Atlanta this week because I have a feeling they're going to sit Vaccaro for one more week to get him more rest because he's got the concussion issue. So they could – are they going to be really up against it with Atlanta? Well, you know, Vicar, it's interesting because I actually don't view this Jabari Greer injury as a disaster. Now they, they get a lot thinner. You know, they're, they're thin. And, um, you know, obviously there, there's a lot less room for injury now. Um, but the way I view this is most teams are in a nickel anyway. So almost at all times you're going to have three corners and a couple safeties. And the Saints have been doing the Jenkins and Bush thing deep in a shell defense. And um, Vaccaro has been playing nickel a lot. So they've had the three, technically three safeties in there, but Vaccaro has been more of a rover. So, um, I don't think it's that huge of a deal because honestly, a lot of times Vaccaro has been guarding some of the tougher receivers on, on the opposing team anyway. So you're looking at Vaccaro and, and Keenan Lewis probably um, covering the, the toughest assignments. And then you've got Corey White that'll probably uh, be in coverage against the number three receiver of a, of a nickel offense of, of a three receiver set. So and, and and look, Corey White's played pretty well. I mean, he, he had a good game two weeks ago. He was mm-hmm. all over the place, and you know he had the pick. Obviously, you know the the fumble is disappointing, and you wish you could have that back. But and he's making plays on the ball. His coverage has been pretty good. So I, I don't hate having him in there. Now the next guy is Chris Carr, who he was cut recently and then brought back. But he he's he's been up and down. He's been okay. So I, the Saints have some options. I, I don't think it's a total disaster. 
And look, let's not pretend like Jabari Greer is in peak form either. I mean, he, he's a little bit in the twilight of his career. He's 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 played okay. He's you know he's been up and down the season. Um, but uh, you know, I I don't think this is a disaster blow. Um, but like you like you guys said, I just think it, it gets a little the margins get a little smaller. Yeah. Um, so you know that that is what it is. I want to piggyback real quick on one thing said about that Dave said about uh, Rob Ryan. And as you guys know, I have a a personal connection in the 49ers uh, roster and, and uh, a guy I talk to a lot. And I talked to him after the game a good bit. Um, and his one comment that really stood out um, was that he was blown away. And I, I don't like to mention names. I don't want to throw them under the bus, but you guys can vouch for me. Uh, but but he, he said that um, he was really impressed by Rob Ryan. And he said that, you know, he, he – he felt like they were getting confused a lot um, with, with the looks that he was giving. And it was, he, he's really um, ingenious kind of with the concepts he comes up with. And he's like, man, it's just a really good coach. And, um, you know, he said it's just one of those things where um, he thinks outside the box. And so, you know, he, he told me last time the Niners played the Saints that he just never really felt like there was one guy they had to account for. Um, and this time facing him, I kind of got the same vibe from him. He's like, yeah, it wasn't like there was one dude that we had to worry about where he was on the field at all times. It sounded more like it was just the scheme and it was just the defense being creative and it gave the offense a lot of trouble. So um, kudos. I mean, look, the pickup of the off season is not a single player. We, We can withstand these injuries. It's Rob Ryan. It's that defense. And as long as the players are, thank you, Jerry Jones. Yep. Thanks, Jerry Jones. And, as long as the players are carrying out their assignments, uh, the defense is working. And the thing is, is, you know, Drew McGarry wrote the thing when he wrote the Why Your Team Sucks. He wrote the intro and it was Rob Ryan about basically it was a joke about how he was the perfect fit for New Orleans because New Orleans gets him and he does the Rob Ryan satire. But it really is true. Like if there is is a perfect city for Rob Ryan to be the defensive coordinator, it is New Orleans. And I feel like the Rob Ryan picture out at a bar on Twitter is like it's its own little universe, and I know certain pe- certain people get sick of the Twitter accounts and all that, but I'm I can't get enough of it, Dave. Um, and, and I don't think he was there last night. No, I don't. People were disappointed. I was expecting I was expecting to see it. Um, Dave, we've we've kind of had our moments where we've gnashed our mashed our teeth about this offensive line for the Saints. But that's this two weeks in a row. They kicked a lot of ass. Um, yep. How are we – I mean I feel really – I would feel fantastic about it if Jari Evans hadn't come that, came out of the game and had to get, get retaped. And he went back in, of course, <laughs> but they have a short week this week. But you have the super-duper uh, classy seats. So how did, the, how did the line look to you uh, yesterday? Oh, yeah, because that's what I'm doing in my super-duper classy seats is just watching every snap, exactly. watching the offensive line on every snap, because that's fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, just overall, yeah, they have been a lot better uh, the past two games. Uh, keeping Drew, Well, I mean, Zach Streif completely got blown up on the, <clears throat> on the Ahmad Brooks hit that we were talking about earlier. I mean, he didn't even have a chance. But uh, for the most part, they've done a better job protecting Breeze. They seem to be doing a better job opening up holes. The running game has uh, has uh, uh, improved as as a result. So 
definitely a vote of confidence. Uh, it's definitely good to see. Maybe they're finally gelling a little bit, getting comfortable with each other. Um, I noticed yesterday they were bringing in Bryce Harris a lot as an eligible receiver. They were bringing him uh, <clears throat> to help block. Uh, so it's good to see them adjust when they need mm-hmm. to and uh, make sure that they're getting help. And I think that has a lot to do with it, too. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's it is what it is. And hopefully uh, hopefully the trend continues. But at the very least, let's hope they can maintain this level, because uh, without them, you know, and Andrew said earlier in the trenches is, is important. And they and they won on both sides, both sides of the line. Uh you know, if, if they don't play well on offensive line, the whole offense struggles, and even more, it becomes the defense bailing them out. And so, we definitely, definitely want to see uh, this trend continue for sure. Yeah, and um, Dave, submit. Have you uh, have you asked the people uh, on the twitters to shoot us questions so we can uh, answer Twitter questions later? I did. We got a lot of serious questions. Oh, we actually serious. Already, uh, I mean, we already actually knocked out uh, a bunch of them. Okay. Uh, well, we'll get to them in, in just a minute. But, okay. Andrew, I want to bring up something that when I saw it, I thought it was really smart. But the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, my God. What Sean, what Sean Payton did at the end of the game as far as the clock management, it was like 4,000. It was like a – 4,000 level college course on how to manage the clock in the NFL brilliantly. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the saints, they had the two minute warning to, to have Garrett Hartley kick the game tire. And he calls the timeout before the two minute warning. And my initial thought was, oh, okay, he's calling the timeout. So in case Hartley misses the saints, they'll still have two Oh five left and 49ers will run a play. And the saints can call timeout and still get the ball back to try to tie. But what I didn't even think of was it's not just for that. It was Garrett Hartley's going to make this kick. Thomas Morstead's going to kick a touchback. And the 49ers are still going to have 205 to go. And I'm going to burn. I'm, they're going to run a play. And then I'm going to have the two minute warning. And then I'm going to still have timeouts on the other end. I'm going to get the ball back and score and win the game. Andrew, I think there's maybe one other coach in the NFL, and that's Bill Belichick can think on his feet and knows how to manage the clock just like that. It was one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen a head coach do as far as strategy. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's what I thought when I saw it. No, I agree. And it's funny, you know, you think about it in hindsight and it all seems so obvious, you know, it seems so, so elementary in terms of just, but it doesn't happen. It just doesn't. Well, that's the thing, right? So it doesn't happen. I mean, how many times do we see coaches botch, the, whether it's college, whether it's pro, whether it's, I mean, any level, the coaches just egregiously screwing up clock management. I mean, it it happens more times than it doesn't. Um, and so um, I think of all the things you want to be thankful for about the Saints, um, certainly the, the high IQ offensively and, and really defensively with Rob Ryan, but I, I just feel like the IQ of the yeah, Saints and the, and, is very elevated. And the thing is, the thing that was so impressive, Andrew, to me, is if he hadn't done it, no one would have said, oh, you know what Sean Payton should have done? He should have called a timeout at 2.06 to have Garrett Hartley kick the field goal. Like, it wasn't, it wouldn't have been a second guess. We just, it wouldn't have been discussed. 
That's uh-huh. like that's how brilliant it was. It was almost like, you know, we see clock management being botched, but this wasn't just running the doing the clock managed correctly. This was like a higher level of greatness. I don't know. It just yeah. It, it was. Hey, hey man, look, look. The game was the game was very stressful. It was a great yeah. win. But I think as fans, it's important for us to take a step back and really just enjoy this because this team is is close. They're so – I mean, they're 8-2. and The offense is starting to run the football. The offensive line is starting to play well. Drew Brees is always going to do his thing. The receivers are starting to get involved. Meacham's making plays. Colson's making plays. Stills has made plays this season. So you're starting to get the variety back. You know, it's not just Sproles. It's not just Graham. The defense is playing lights out. They got a kick return from Cadet in this game. They Garrett Hartley made some critical clutch kicks. So offense, defense, special teams right now is clicking. And this team is so close to putting it all together and really putting some special games together. And they haven't really done it up to this point, yet they're sitting here at 8-2 and two in first place in the division. And, um, man, I, I, th- this, this is setting up really nicely for the Saints to peak. This, at the perfect, perfect time. Yeah, this this is going to be – I mean, if they beat Atlanta, Dave, I, I think the Seattle – and, you know, we don't – we don't the Saints don't want to look ahead, but we're fans, so we can. I'm I think Atlanta, by far the Saints <laughs> and Seattle will be the biggest regular season game in the history of the team. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, New England. ESPN getting that on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, when they played New England on Monday night in 2009, it was fun and it was cool to dump truck the Patriots and all that. But it wasn't like, oh my God, there's a lot riding on this game. I mean, they were undefeated, but we. By that time, I think everybody had the feeling of, hey, the Saints are undefeated. They're they're a couple games clear of Minnesota. They're going to be the number one seed. But this Seattle game, I mean, it's it's going to be. It's going to be as big as it gets in the regular season. Uh, For sure. I mean, you know, the Saints need to beat Atlanta first, of course. They need to get to 9-2, and and I'm a little bit worried about that on the short week. Um, But This is a trap game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Tailor-made. Well, Dave, before we get... uh, Yeah, no, but... uh, No, I'll talk about the Seattle game. Yeah. Uh, I mean... You know, assuming the Saints win, assuming both teams are, you know, assuming the Saints are maybe like one back from Seattle when they meet, you know, of course it's a huge game. Saints win, then they're tied, and they have the head-to-head, uh, so they would get the advantage. Obviously, if the Seahawks win, then they're then they pull ahead. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's a huge freaking game. Um, I don't see I don't see any other teams really being in the mix anymore. San Francisco was in the mix; they're not. They're not in the mix anymore. Uh, so I definitely think, and it's, you know, obviously the Panthers too. The Panthers are a wild card. we got to see what happens there. I mean, the Seahawks game, yes, it could be big, but if the Panthers keep winning, yeah, know, those looking... two those two games, one of those two games against the Panthers could be equally, if not more important, because one of those games, the, the second one could potentially determine – uh, who wins the NFC South? And uh, you know, I, I think the Seahawks are going to fall down, come down to earth a little bit too. Touchdown, so. Patriots! Yeah, ten-ten uh, 10 game, tied game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, we, yeah, we definitely need the Panthers to lose this one. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I think that 
I don't know if necessarily the Seahawks are going to finish, you know, 14 and two. Their or 13, schedule's so easy though down the 13 stretch. 13 and three. Yeah, but I mean they could they could still do like 12 and four or something like that, which Ooh, is that's... which is which is uh, well, they, the one of those four has to be the Saints. Right. Oh, well, I think yeah. the, I think Seattle's floor is 13 and three. Nah, I think they're their floor, floor is 12 and four. Yeah, yeah. 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 They they I mean injuries. I mean, yeah, still I mean something could happen. Well. We'll see. So, Dave, fire, start firing the, the Twitter questions at us. Well, okay. Well, like I said, we answered a bunch. Is the offensive line getting better? We answered that. Yes. Uh, um, are we going to uh, talk about the brilliant clock management at the end of the game? Check. Talk yes. about that. Um, Click. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the impact of the Greer injury. Check. Talked about that. <laughs> Damn, we're good. Um, let's see. Nothing My Little My Little Pony related, huh? No. no the, the, the silliest question really is, uh, what's the f- Christmas or holiday commercial that we hate the most since they're coming up? Oh, oh, gee, I hate that fucking act. What's the commercial, the Acura commercial with the goddamn bow? God, I just makes me want to throw up. Mm-hmm. Uh. Um. I don't know. They're all pretty terrible. I, I hate those cheesy jewelry commercials, like you know the the Pandora bracelet commercials or the 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 the. I don't know. They come up with those stupid names for those generic uh, necklaces. I don't. Like Nothing will ever top that he went to Jared. Oh, yeah, he went to Jared. Oh my God! It makes me want to throw up. Uh. uh you know, is it, I'm trying to think of if there was a there was a couple questions we didn't get to last week, but do they have any do they have any other ones, Dave, that we didn't that we haven't answered yet? Yeah, yeah, here, here's one from uh, oh, and and by the way, that uh, that ho- that holiday commercial question came from Alfredo at Nola underscore <laughs> Fredo. Um, yeah, I, I recommend following Fredo. Alfredo by. The- yeah. Yeah. Good follow. I destroy Niners at Houdat Citizen. He wants to know whether Marcus Colson would make just as much of an impact on any other team. That's a good question. I I would say absolutely not, um, because he doesn't really get the separation, doesn't really have the speed. I mean, he, he look, he, he's a great receiver. He definitely has some some assets, but I think the thing about Drew Brees is they really have the uncanny chemistry. Um, and Breeze knows exactly where to put the ball in tight coverage to Colston, where he's going to be able to use his body to make the play. And this isn't a Megatron type receiver. I mean, he's not no. as he's not as fast. He's not a, he's not as freak of an athlete. Um, he definitely has some assets, but um, I think this is a clear cut case of a very good player that became great because of his association with Drew Brees. Yeah, and Sean Payton too. So they yeah. they scheme they scheme they put Colston in matchups that make him be able to be great. And I don't know if other coaches would be as smart. And you know, Andrew. Yeah, it was have, a creative offense to put him in a position they, to succeed. They, yeah, it was Saints alumni weekend. You know, and and a lot of times they have great players, and they uh. In, inducted Leroy, Leroy Glover into the Saints Hall of Fame, who is a worthy guy. His 2000 Saints season, where he had 17 and a half sacks and was a just total destruction. His game in St. Louis is one of the finest single game defensive performances in Saints history. I, he had four and a half sacks and just totally 
destroyed the Rams, the greatest show on turf. But they had a guy who was at alumni weekend, and I don't know if many Saints fans remember him. His name is Boo Williams. Andrew, you might remember him. <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah. And he was a guy, I, I don't think, under Sean Payton, he would be fantastic. That's a good point. Because he is the kind of guy, he couldn't really block. He, he was like Jimmy Graham, but he was not a at. freak he was, receiver. Yeah. What's that? He was a freak athlete. He, he was, was a, a freak, freak athlete. Receiver. He wasn't yeah. – I don't think he – he couldn't jump like Jimmy Graham, and he, and he wasn't probably as fast, but he was close. The Saints didn't have any idea how to really use him. Sean Payton would have made him at minimum a 45-catch tight end guy where he'd have played for a decade. I agree. And that just goes to the point with Colston. You know, it's it's the right scheme. It's the right thing. Um, You know, and even still, I mean – Colson, he's not quite what he was, but late in the game, look who's make, look who's open, look who's making a play, breaking a tackle, get setting up the game-winning field goal. Oh, it's Marcus Colston. So, uh, do you guys? I mean, let me ask you. I mean, obviously he was drafted in the seventh round. Uh, curious what your guys' opinion is. Would he? Would he have been successful regardless of which team he went to? In other I words, do you think he could have gone to a team and not not made it through training camp or not made it through first cuts and actually not had an NFL career if mm-hmm. if he didn't? No, he'd be in a, he'd be on a team and he'd be a, he'd be an NFL player, I think. Yeah, regardless of where he yeah. went. Yeah, I think so. I, I but I I think he might be he might be like a like a two or three receiver. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, Dave, any other questions? Uh, that's most of them. There's only one more from, uh, Ryan Talent, Organic Tall Man. Another uh, good follow. Wants, yeah, Brady Belichick have their 185th game together tonight. <laughs> uh, an all-time record, and he wants to know whether Breeze and Peyton, Peyton will, uh, break that. What's the, where are they at now? Do you know? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, See, the, the challenge is sure Brady. lost the year last year. Well, true. And Brady's had his entire career with the Patriots, and Breeze spent half of his with the Chargers. So, yeah, so I think I, I think it. it's. I mean, Brady's probably going to play as long as Breeze, or maybe a year less, or something. So, I'm going to guess he doesn't catch him. Yeah, agreed. Good yeah. point. All right, I've got I've got a couple questions in my timeline. Uh, Andrew, you can take this one. This is a serious question. If Jim Harbaugh Kaepernick and Brooks were drowning and you could only save one, what kind of sandwich would you make? That's from Jamie O. <laughs> that is a serious question. It is. Um, and I appreciate it. Uh, That's a question. What kind of sandwich would I make? Um, well, I'm in Virginia and I'm actually where, where Ahmad Brooks went to school in Charlottesville, Virginia at UVA. Um, and they have a nuclear sub at uh at this um local shop the sandwich shop that's famous here in town so i would probably get the nuclear sub it's got you know this buffalo sauce and i would get that as a a a tribute to amon brooks as i watched him die (laughs) i'd get a number nine from jimmy johns there you go sponsored answer uh, I, I would get a I would get a sandwich from the Pelican House. <laughs> uh, this this one is for me. This is from Brian Pavlock. Uh, Ralph, bigger threat to your life: mocking the Dolphins or Mexican soccer? 
<laughs> oh, that definitely Mexican soccer. Definitely can't mock the Mexican soccer. Uh, they crushed uh, New Zealand, and they're going to go to the World Cup, so we're happy about that in uh, the Marlboro House. Uh, Andrew, semi-serious question. Uh, make a prediction on Corey White. Cornerback of hope of the Rob Ryan defense or false prophet? I'm going to say cornerback of hope. I mean, last year was a disaster. I mean, it was a disaster for a lot of people with Spagnola, and so I, I kind of – I kind of view this as Corey White's real rookie season. I mean, he got the chance to start over, and he's doing so much better. So um, I kind of view last year as a throwaway, and I'm willing to disregard. Um, but he, he's got a lot of reps. I mean, for a second-year player, you know, he's only been in the league a year and a half now. He's got a lot of reps, got a lot of experience, and he's shown some really nice things, and he's continued to get better. Um, so I'm going to say cornerback of hope. Uh, and, Dave, this is one of our – this is one of our final questions uh, for you. Uh, should I go streaking in the first or yes. second half when I'm oh. at the Seattle game? That's from Sean Montgomery. Oh, uh, the second half because I mean, if you it, once you go once you streak, they're taking it's you. It's over. Yeah, yeah they're taking down. you to the like little prison under the stadium. And for if you a don't live while. in Oregon, that's an expensive that's expensive streak. Yeah. So I, I'd get I'd get your money's worth uh, and wait to the end because because I mean you know maybe there might be because you want to get a lot, as much bang for your for your buck as possible. I mean if you wait to the end of the game there may potentially be some big play you know late in the fourth quarter or something like that. They, they cut off they cut off booze sales in the fourth quarter anyway. So I think yeah. the fourth, once once you get you know enough nine dollar beers in you. Um, you know, the fourth quarter is a good time to do that. So there you go. So ser- serious question to what I hope is a serious question. Wait, serious answer to what I hope is a serious question uh, <laughs> the fourth quarter. All right. So now we have to do the segment that we've missed a couple of weeks because Andrew was falling down on the job and we were lazy. But we're bringing it back. It's uh, are you a better football handicapper than a toddler? Uh, it's Cullen versus us. Uh, roll the tape. Three is a magic number. Yes, it is. It's a magic number. All right, we've got another week worth of games to pick. And remind everyone what your name is. Cullen. Hey, Cullen. And how old are you? Three and a half. Oh, thank you for pointing out the half. Very detail-oriented. That should put some fear into the opponents picking against you. Okay, this week we've got three games that I want you to pick. The first one is Dolphins and Panthers. Who wins? Dolphins. All right, Dolphins. Then we've got the Patriots and the Broncos. Who wins that game? Patriots. Okay, and last but certainly not least, we have the Saints traveling to Atlanta to play the Falcons. Who wins? All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. So, Andrew, I'm going to face off against Cullen this week. He made his three picks. So let's recap the games. We'll end with the Saints, and then we'll make all our picks. Oh, I gotta go. I gotta go. Dolphins. That's I. The Dolphins. Or the Dolphins. What's the spread? Panthers are favored by six. I'm taking the I'm taking the Dolphins plus the uh, plus the six and a half. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, New England. Wait, what were we talking about again? 
And then, so you're you're agreeing with Colin in picking the Patriots? I am. I am. Okay. Because because he he likes uh, he likes home underdogs. Everybody knows right. that in right, prime right, time. Right. All right. So now we've got the Saints. We've got the Saints. Uh, they and and the Saints. I'll start off. They're favored by eight in Atlanta. And Colin, of course, went Saints. Eight's a lot of points for a short week. I, I'm just that's too many points. I'm gonna Saints are gonna win. But it's going to be nasty and ugly, and, and people are going to bitch and complain, and it's not going to be very pretty. I'm going to say Saints 28-20, to 20. Uh, so, and I think the line's going to go up. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say the Saints will win, but they're not going to cover. Uh, and I'm going to say my BFF, I guess. I'm going to say – I'm going to say uh, Jimmy Graham is going to reappear and have a – monstrous Jimmy Jimmy Graham type game like like 150 and two scores so I know that's a cop-out answer so Dave uh your thoughts on, on the <laughs> yeah. Saints playing Atlanta yeah, that's never gonna happen uh <laughs> uh honestly I I really don't like this game I'm super nervous it's a short week they just had a very tough physical game against uh the Niners that I'm sure took a lot out of them uh which sucks because this is Atlanta and this is a division game um, I hate to do it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna actually pick the Falcons to win. Oh my God! Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm gonna pick the Falcons to win. It's gonna be some some heartbreaking bullshit. Uh, so I'm gonna go with like uh like 21-20 Falcons. Ugh. And uh, we're not gonna have many BFFs, but um, man, uh. Kevin already picked Lance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with. Uh, well, that would be really out of the box. I'm gonna go with either. Okay, if Kyrie Robinson is active, he's gonna be my BFF. He's not gonna be active. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking everybody else is really tired, so they're gonna use Kyrie uh, in in this spot right here. So if he's active, I'm gonna go with Kyrie Robinson. If he's not active, I'm going Ingram. Yeah, the okay. one. The one issue with this game, Dave, that makes it makes it really hard for me to pick Atlanta, is they suck balls, and their fans are mad. And I think I think there's like about a thirty percent chance that if the Saints get up on them, like ten nothing, fourteen nothing, they'll quit. They'll, turn on them, yeah, they'll quit, the and their crowd will. Their crowd is almost going to the game. And I we've been in this spot, Andrew, before, where you go to the game. And you're angry, and you almost there's a like a part of you that wants your team to suck, even though that's counterintuitive. So you can boo them and hate on them during and then leave the game, early. and then get get home early. Yeah, and, right. and I I think Atlanta's <laughs> crowd is at that Thursday point. Night. Yeah. So Andrew, your thoughts on the on the game Thursday? Uh, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you guys. I think it's tough for the Saints um, on a short week. I mean, look, this this was the death blow. To last year, I mean, if you remember, it was the exact same scenario. The Saints play the 49ers, yeah. um, then they, they have to go to Atlanta. They play them at home, and then they have to go to Atlanta on a short week, three days later, and, and, and go up to Atlanta and play the Falcons. And you'll remember that's that's the day that Drew Brees lost a streak, um, and that was the game where he threw five interceptions and, and basically killed the Saints' season last year. So um, it's a tough situation. I think it's it's exacerbated by the fact that the Saints had a very emotional and physical win against the 49ers, while Atlanta just, 
you know, they, they kind of they went down a few scores early against the Bucks and then just kind of farted their way to a loss. I mean, they, they just kind of uh, they went through the motions. So there, there wasn't a lot of emotion. There wasn't a lot of physicality. They just kind of got run over and um, didn't show up. So, uh, look, at this point at two and eight, this is kind of Atlanta Super Bowl. This is kind of the for the Falcons players. I mean, I, this is it. Like they can beat the number one, the first place Saints, the team they hate. Um, and that, that's really the last thing that they have this season. To hang and that sounds, Andrew, that sounds all, that sounds great. And fans love, we love to tell ourselves that, but, and that may be true, but it won't be true if the saints are up 17 to three at the beginning oh, of the second. Oh, quarter. well, that's the key. The saints have, that's the key. The saints have to get up on them early. If they can get up on them early, you'll see the Falcons quit like they did against the bucks. I mean, I really feel like this team is, is starting to quit. Um, but if the Falcons get in the game and, and, and uh, at half it's close, or if God forbid the Falcons are up a score or two, uh, then it becomes really tough sledding. Um, I, I think the Falcons will cover. I think the Saints will win. I'm going to say 27-24 Saints. Uh, the Saints will be down four and score a touchdown late to win the game. Um, and my BFF, I'm going to go with your boy, Robert Meacham. Oh, my God. Scoring on a deep ball late uh, to win the game for the Somebody Saints. tweeted during the Saints game. Uh, it's actually F. Chop Fitzgerald. He tweeted, <laughs> oh, my God, is that Robert Meacham's music? Like about 90 seconds before he caught a long pass in the Saints yep. game. It was yeah, that was, that was Nostradamus. It was tremendous. Um, before yep. we get out of here, I, because I had a bunch of appointments and stuff to do at work and I – didn't get a chance. I, I wanted to have Dave, Dave Chode on from the Falcoholic, but to ask him this. But guys, how surprised are you that Atlanta has sort of fallen off a cliff? I mean, I, I thought they would backslide and maybe they would have been like five and five or six and four at this point. But for them to fall off the cliff and be two and eight, and we're talking about them quitting and not giving a shit, it's really shocking to me. And look. The Saints had every opportunity last year to just say this is fucked. We're done. We're done. And you know when they even they got to five and five, but when they got to five eight, if they'd have tanked it and finished five and eleven, everybody would have been like, ah, it's all right. It was the bounty gate. It was all this. And they fought to the end, the bitter end. And I don't see that in Atlanta, Andrew. How surprised are you that this Atlanta team is just kind of rolling over and dying? I, I didn't. Well, they, the Saints didn't fight till the bitter end. They definitely uh, didn't show up the final game of the season against Carolina. They mailed that one in, but they did fight up until that point. But anyway, uh, I I am shocked as you are, Ralph. Um, look, I thought I thought the Falcons this season would normalize anyway. I, I didn't think the Steven Jackson experiment would work because I thought he was over the hill with the Rams, and so I, I wasn't that scared by that move. Um, and I, I just felt like the Falcons were due to normalize because they just had so many bullshit last second wins last year. And they were just on the on the front side of so many of those fortunate situations that late in games. And everyone was saying how clutch they were. But over time, you just you you get on the wrong, wrong, wrong end of the stick on those games. And so um, they're kind of bearing the brunt of it this season. It's kind of a complete reversal where they've just gotten screwed late in games and they haven't been able to make it happen. Um, and now, now they're just getting killed, but they're, yeah, you know, I, it, it says something about the character. I mean, you talked about the saints and how, even though they didn't have Sean Payton and all the excuses were built in and they were 0 and four, um, they kept fighting till the end. 
the Falcons, I'm not seeing that. Like, I, I especially in that Tampa game, I could not believe just kind of how they rolled over. And um, that that's probably what's most shocking to me and just tells me all you really need to know about the character in that locker room. Like, yeah, it, when you're playing well and you're winning close games, it's all fun and games. But um, when the going gets tough and this team gets tested, um, they don't have the character and they don't yeah. have the resolve. Yeah, and, you, and, and that's the thing, Dave. I mean – the Saints, they weren't going anywhere, but they played hard. And look, mailing it in the second half of the last game of the year when you're seven and eight, that's no crime. Probably 20 NFL teams will do that every year. But I mean, Dave, I'm I'm just surprised that I mean, I I don't think Mike Smith is a great coach by any means, but I always thought he was decent as far as getting them prepared and have them ready to play. Now I'm kind of like, eh, God, they're they're. You know, it's, did, it's did, Dave. It, do you think he gets fired at the end of this year? No, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, but I, mm-hmm. I do think just going back to the original question, I mean, I think that is the difference between the two situations. I think that's why you, you, you seeing the Falcons quitting. I think it's because uh, of coaching and it's the entire organization. It's the, it's the uh, atmosphere that is laid out for, from top to bottom, you know, from ownership to manager to coach and all the way on down to assistant coaches and players. Um, I think the Saints and are fans just, uh, go ahead, throw the fans in there. <laughs> a better way. Would you say, go ahead and throw the fans in there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. The fans too. Just classier <laughs> fans. I mean, I just think from top to bottom, they're just a better built organization. Uh, and, um, and and that's why they were able to survive uh, Bounty Gate last year and then come on strong this year. And uh, I think that's something you're not going to get from Atlanta because they're just, you know, they're just not not as well built internally. I just don't think they they they've got all the right pieces in place. Yeah, it it it's it's interesting and and I, it'll be interesting to see what they do if they. If they completely crash and burn and finish up two and fourteen or three and thirteen, uh, it'll be interesting. We got Ralph, that we, cap, that Matt Ryan cap numbers getting higher and it higher. It is. We normally we ended the Twitter question segment, but I've got two more just fantastic ones that I've got to do, and then we'll wrap up this podcast. You need to promote the uh, the dollar. Oh yeah, the, we're, we're, it's almost the end. Don't donate a dollar to the podcast. And you can win a prize where me or Kevin will insult a family member and make a call to them and insult them for not being a Saints fan. All you have to do is donate a dollar to get in the drawing. Uh, we had two people donate this week. They donated ten dollars each. Thank, we thank them so we can hear Kevin wash his hands in crystal clear sound. Uh, so help the podcast, and you get to have a relative of yours insulted or a friend or an ex-girlfriend. Or next wife could be either one. Uh, so we got two more questions, and then we'll get the, we'll get the hell out of here. Uh, this one's for Kevin, but he's gone, so I'll uh, leave it to you, Dave. Uh, rank these. This is from Reed of SaintsWin.com. We love him. Oh. Rank these three assholes from bad to worst: <laughs> Ray Lewis, Jim Harbaugh, Roger Goodell. Oh, that's easy. Mm, interesting. That's easy. Um. Piece of cake. I'll go uh, f- from 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 how how what in what order do I need to rank them? You need to go from bad to worst. Okay, well, bad is Ray Lewis. Worse 
is uh, is uh, Harbaugh, and worst is Goodell. And, and I'm pretty sure Reed, uh, given that he's written a, a book on the Downey Gate <laughs> saga, I'm pretty sure Reed <laughs> likes my answer. <laughs> Good enough for you, Andrew. Uh, nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I. Ray Lewis killed a guy. But the person he killed, I didn't know them personally. I have to say, I I know this might be blasphemous to Saints fans, and maybe it's just because the Saints have drafted so well, and it looks like all the shit that Goodell did to the Saints, it looks like they're going to survive it. But watching that Niners game yesterday, God, I hate fucking Jim Harbaugh. I really, really do. It might be a – I might rank it Ray Lewis and then a tie between Jim Harbaugh and Goodell. I, I hate Jim Harbaugh that much. That <laughs> gif of him saying fuck is just so, so delicious. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't believe that the broadcast allowed the Harbaugh gif to be slown in show motion. Slow motion. I mean they literally showed – the camera was right on his face in, you know – HD and it was you know a huge picture of just his face and in slow motion it shows him scream fuck right there on national TV so uh, good on you uh, was that Fox or CBS that, that was Fox it was Fox that yeah was way Fox. to go Fox All that right. was awesome final question and then we'll get out of here uh, and I'll start with this one with you Andrew all time favorite Falcon fuck up it does not necessarily have Ooh. to be Saints related hmm all-time favorite in the history. In the, his, in the history of their franchise, they're man. I I feel like I'd have to prepare for this. I mean, look, last year blowing a 17-point lead in the NFC Championship um, for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, that that was pretty epic. Um, so you and know, following that was it good. up with two and eight, it's pretty. Yeah, and then following up with two and eight. Um, oh man, I'm I'm gonna have to think about this one, Dave. Well, I mean, I'll, I mean, there's there's just so many. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's there's the two points in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh no, that's my favorite. That's a good <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, was great. There's there's the poopy pants stain, uh, <laughs> which is that's a little bit of an outside of the box answer, but uh, I still still I like that one I, too. Um, and I'll go with I'll go. <laughs> I'll go with um, – I, I remember I was in Vegas, so this had to be November of 2011. Uh, the fourth and one call Mike, that Mike Smith made that cost them the game. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, that. that. That was probably uh, – that was, that was a good one for sure. From inside his own 20. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant coaching. The one great play Sean Rogers made as a saint. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, Falcon, the Falcons have a pretty – God, I forgot about Sean Rogers. They they have a pretty scarred history as far as fuck ups, and I'm not as familiar with them, but they were pretty awful in the seventies too. Yeah, the problem um, is we were so bad too. Yeah, so it's like we, we only focus on the Saints ineptness. I mean, I would say, and this is gonna sound strange because it didn't it didn't really become a fuck up, but if it would have been, it would have it, it was almost as good as the NFC championship game seventeen point loss. But if they would have managed to lose to Seattle last year in that playoff game, that basically would have ruined their franchise forever. And 
I know it doesn't count as a Falcon fuck up because it didn't happen, but I was so you can ask my wife. I was my wife. I was so giddy. She looked at me and she said, "You're almost as excited as if the Saints are playing." And I said, "You damn right I am. This is going to ruin their franchise forever." It didn't happen, but it, you know, that's kind of not a good answer, but that's what popped into my head. So, anyway, for Kevin who had to bail, uh go to Andrew Duge. He's got grades as he always does. And Andrew, they weren't as fun this week because they're not fun when I agree with them. Cause then we can't argue about them on the podcast. Uh, so you need to give, you need to like let next week, you need to give one player just a totally bullshit, retarded grade <laughs> and see if I can spot it and we can argue over it. Okay. And, uh, see what I can do. So go to there, go to saints nation. Uh, Dave, what do you have on canal street chronicles for the peoples this week? Well, you asked me that question last week, and I oh, Patriots right on the goal line. Yeah, uh, they're trying to tie the game. Again. And I I didn't mention John Oliver's song of the week, so this this week I'm going to mention that John Oliver uh, will have his ode to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, his song spoof. I'm assuming. I don't know. It's a short. What it'll just be a giant touchdown Patriots. Touchdown. It'll just be a giant fart with a harmonica in the background. <laughs> I'll be sure he he he. Gets that suggestion. <laughs> All right, Panthers and Patriots tied up. All right. Um, but uh, and then uh, just the huge. The huge. Just the huge. Yeah. Huge. So and we may or may not, depending on at when I talk to Andrew and Kevin later in the week, we may or may not have a late night Falcon wrap up game, post game. Uh, depending on how we feel, but we'll see. But anyway, go to Saints Nation. Go to Canal Street Chronicles. Maybe Kevin has a power rankings. I doubt it. He'll probably have one. He'll probably have one. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. But for Kevin, for Dave, for Andrew, I'm Ralph. Uh, So long. Until next week. Later. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Wait for it. (laughs) That's a wrap. (laughs) 